0: Musicians and Makers podcast dedicated to interviewing and promoting artists and musicians across a broad spectrum of genres and mediums. I'm here today with uh, my co-host Steve, as well as Eric from the band Au Revoir. Hey. Hello. Nice to have you. (laughs) Nice to
1: meet you. Nice to be here with you guys.
0: Yeah. So Au Revoir, I mean, this project's going back quite some ways. I think the first time I saw you was actually just a couple of years ago at, at AS220 in Providence. Yep. Uh, I, I, worked there myself. Uh, and I, I, you know, I know you had a couple friends on that show that we might have in common, like the Sullis, John Pagano. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good guy. And awesome. Awesome band. But, um, yeah. So that was probably the first time I saw you. I, I was pretty much fangirling at that point because I had been <laughs> listening to you guys, I think since like, uh, in the key of night in 2012.
1: Oh, um, wow, okay.
0: Yeah. That was, that was a super cool album for me. Um, so just going back to that album, uh, just tell me how like the process was for writing uh, and like I think it was demos first and that became a bigger project. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, how it started essentially was uh, I was coming out of playing bass in like a indie rock band and I like had my uncle's old guitar and I started playing around on the guitar and then I was like, I think I want to start playing guitar more. Uh, and this was like back in 2009. So I bought like a really shitty Telecaster from a friend and uh, just download. I'm using Reaper right now to record <laughs> my, my audio ends. And I just downloaded Reaper then and just started like recording all of these guitar ideas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I... Like at some point in 2009, I took like a, just a road trip and I came back and I was like, I think I want to keep, keep working on this stuff. And two of my best friends at the time, we, uh, I showed them what I had and they were like, you know, maybe we can work on this with you. Mm -hmm. So the two guys that get the credit on that album are Matt Olson and Dane Viglione. Mm -hmm. And, um, basically through 2010, we were working on all of that that music just in the key of night so since that album we have never consistently practiced weekly as a band so writing that album we were able to just meet every week and work on on the stuff and then we recorded it ourselves yeah it was just like my first time being the primary writer for a musical project so uh you being there all along with us uh you can kind of see how my writing has changed over the years uh, uh yeah
0: <laughs> yeah definitely i mean you certainly get a lot darker now uh but like yeah. going back to that album uh what were some of your influences as one of the primary writers
1: so uh it was just very honestly it was like that that movie 28 weeks later okay uh, i was like <laughs> fuck, this really makes me feel some weird shit, Mm. and I want to kind of emote and make something that uh, makes someone feel that exact same way. So uh, I was listening to a lot of Sigur Rós at the time. Um, I was listening to that soundtrack a ton. Um, I just kind of started getting into Godspeed. Uh, And then, you know, a lot of the other just rock stuff so like thrice was a big influence yeah for me uh i know i I don't necessarily listen to thrice so much anymore but the things they were doing at the time like uh they kind of they put out the alchemy index Mm -hmm. where they explored like different sounds that they can make and this and that as like you know they weren't just a straight up rock band anymore uh so things like that kind of Uh, gave me these, these ideas that like, Hey, it doesn't have to be so conventional all the Mm. time. And so like the idea was, uh, I was, when I was asking people around like friends to play, I was like, you know, there's like a, the idea would be, there's no rules and, uh, as many noises and pedals as you can kind (laughs) of bring to the table, uh, so yeah that that was kind of the idea from the start to get it going.
0: Yeah, I think Thrice yeah. was a huge influence for you, Steve. Um,
1: you made my heart sing when you said Thrice and yeah. <laughs> <you sing. laughs> Just yeah. because the fire is so heavy, the water out the water runs so experimental and electronica, then you have yeah. Earth and Air which are a little more mellow, like like that's why I love Thrice forever because they can expand on so many different sounds. They don't care who likes it. They want to make what they want to like. And like, you, like as you say, your music, ta- change, uh, music taste does uh, change as you get older. So it's right, definitely yeah. like huge respect to that. Yeah. Awesome. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> For me,
0: oddly enough, I, I think the first time I heard of Au Revoir, uh, I was on like Reddit and I was just like, it's starting to get into screamo and I was looking for like different, different ways to discover music. Uh, and I ended up on like some, like, if you like page and it was like, uh, if you okay. like explosions in the sky, yeah, yeah you know? Yeah. And I always found that like, when I try to explain to someone who might not like listen to the genre and I'm trying to show them like your music, I, it's, I kind of go towards that. Like it's like explosions in the sky, but like a little heavier.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, that's like the, only way that someone that you can explain it to someone who's never heard of like the genre or bands in the genre, or when I think I'm explaining it to someone who's like super normy yeah. and they're like, Oh, like Godspeed, or, oh like explosion in the sky, I was like, Okay, you have a basic idea because you know the bigger bands in the genre. Sure. Yeah.
0: So you so, mentioned uh, the uh the writing process is is a little crazy now. I mean, so the last time you all worked in a room together was was for the album in 2012. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So, um, uh, what had happened was Matt, the drummer, uh, it started to get a little too, I guess, serious, or I wanted to kind of start pushing the band. It was like, as soon as 2012 hit, we didn't have any music out, but I was like, let's start playing as much as possible because for me, it was like, I want this to be like, I want to put everything I have into this band. Um, So uh, that's why we've had a bunch of lineup changes over the years because uh, just people who came in couldn't handle it, so they had to step out. Um, So when Matt left, we started looking for a drummer, and we had this other kid. His name was actually Matt as well, Um, and he really just ended up playing locally, uh, and it wasn't until November or October of two thousand twelve that Tyler Gilbert joined on drums, and he was from New Jersey but living up in Boston. <sighs> so that's where it started with the uh, "we'll just practice when we can" sort of uh, vibe, and uh, kind of since then it, it's it's always been that someone that's in the band is not in New Jersey. Hmm. Uh, So we had never really had full band practices unless we scheduled them. um, Like everyone took off work, essentially like a tour or something (laughs) like that, you know? Like uh, we need to make all of these uh, changes to our normal personal schedules so that we can get together to have band practice. Sounds pretty tough. uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It it, It definitely is. Um, so, which is totally the reason why we as a, like a whole just work so slow, uh, in, in terms of releases and, um, it got to a point where, you know, everyone's getting a little bit older, so they want to put a little more importance on their personal time. Uh, so even touring has slowed down for us.
0: For a while there, there was a big push for touring though. I think right around yeah. the time when Veils came out, that was like your big push for European tours and such. Uh, And, you know, I I see that as like a big turning point. I don't know if if you feel the same, but for me, it's when you guys got inherently darker, it was more chaotic. You know, there was Mm -hmm. still like those, those light choir like moments, but like, you know, even yeah. the description you find online, I'm going to read it here for, for the listeners. Um, when, when you look at Veils, <laughs> you get the description, Au Revoir have reformed themselves as a huge serpent coiling tightly around the roots that led us into the wet underworld of Veils. It is not only a world of wet, grassy plains and eternal spring. But one where we find ourselves in the deepest of caverns, watched over by the ghosts of the dead, awaiting impending doom. (laughs) Vales is richly bleak with decadence, but the listener never succumbs or falls prey. He watches the ground ripple like water and feels an irresistible urge to be lost in Vales' violent sway. (laughs) That right there is like, when you talk about setting the scene in 2012, that right there is like, that gives me so much imagery. Where was that coming from?
1: The label we were working with, Elusive Sounds, they were way more into promotion than we were at the time. Uh, so they're the ones that did that, like, really, I guess, description of of the, um, the album. But, I mean, it kind of is pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah. uh, where, like, as you listen to the progression of the music, it is just, like, you know, uh, things you're feeling and how you want to uh, kind of get those things out in, in the form of music and stuff like that so um, for me uh, there was a, like kind of like a description or a summary that or like a bio that this guy David Ziedler from uh, Young Epoch he wrote and his was more just like how we're blending DIY punk ethos into like a instrumental music and this and that uh, so me being a more like straightforward type of guy, like I I leaned more towards that bio uh, rather than this like uh, super um, <laughs> like novel esque uh, bio of the the album. But you know, I I feel like it it proves its point. You know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Today was the first time I've seen it. Um, I'm, okay, I'm okay. feeling a little more yeah. cave like since I've I've now yeah. seen it. You know. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, also, uh, not, not to correct you, but it's, um,
0: Velus, Thank uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did correct me. <laughs> yeah.
1: We had a kind of a theme for the album and we were from the songs, we were getting like a, like a water type of vibe. So Velus is the God of like water and the underworlds in Slavic, uh, culture. If you go back to the description and, and kind of uh, get like, oh, the, there's this God that's involved, it'll probably make somewhat more mm. sense as well. <laughs> cool.
0: Um, yeah. That being said, you know, I, for the most yeah. part, you're fairly instrumental. I know vocals are kind of added in a little bit more as we go along. But even that, mm-hmm. like they're blended into the songs where it almost becomes its own instrument. Uh, right. What, what did the songs mean to you and how do you really like make those meanings stick aside from like a description like this?
1: For me, a big part was always, I was one of those, like, leave it up to the listener to kind of take what they want from it and how they feel about the song. And, and it it is, it is whatever it is to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And we would just give this like kind of guidance via the titles and I feel like with the newer stuff, I want to have more of like a, a very direct definition or description uh, of what the songs are about and what you are supposed to feel like it's not just what you're taking away, it's also this is what we want you to feel." Mm. Um, so with those those songs and the titles, um, it was it's always been just um, like trying to create a like a sad emotion, or um, uh, I guess depressed, and then mixed in with like lights and happy, and just kind of like all those things you feel in a normal day. I think a lot of the songwriting and how we want to navigate the songwriting, the lyrics themselves are more personal in. The bottom, uh, Carl, the bassist, he wrote the lyrics for that song. I know from <laughs> just his his personal, uh, he is afraid of heights, and that that the lyrics in that song, he's on a trestle and he falls, and it, it just kind of deals with fear and and all those sorts of things. On top of that, the vibe of the music kind of kind of gives into that like kind of chaotic feeling. Um, and then lyric, the lyrics in sinking were m- more just uh, like a feeling of hopelessness and, and loss. And to top it off, the the song is th- probably one of the heavier songs on the album. Mm. Um, so it, they kind of you know mesh well together, mm. uh, the lyrics and and the song itself. Uh, but in the future, we're probably going to add more incorporate more lyrics. Um, and personally, I want them to have more of like an intention with mm-hmm. the, with the, the meaning of the song.
0: Cool. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I mean, we're talking about three guitarists and a basis and I, you right. know, I mentioned seeing you at, at ASU 20 for our listeners that aren't familiar as 20, it's a pretty small venue. Uh, have you ever walked up on stage and someone was just like, dude, you guys are too
1: loud. <laughs> Do you get that? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> You know, it, we end up playing a lot of the places in the States where it's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, no one really gives a shit. Uh, but in can- in Canada and in Europe, it's just, like, constant. Because mm-hmm. uh, they're, so um, like uh, they're so used to having, like, using uh, their monitors. They're so used to having, like, the sound guy kind of, be in control of what it sounds out on the on the, the floor side. Um, so for us, yeah, it's something that we deal with uh, so much that we started for the last couple tours, we started saying to the people that were looking into booking for us that, hey, this venue needs to be okay with a certain amount of decibel level. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I think we were like, I guess 115 is like... <laughs> Like if they're cool with that, then we should be okay. Um, So yeah, it it happens a ton. The one thing I will say about AS two twenty though is like we've played on all we've played everywhere in the room except for the stage. Yeah, and everywhere in that room has sounded amazing. Yeah, Uh, it's a pretty incredible venue. Uh, I I is it doing okay? Like, is it going to make it through?
0: Yeah. I mean, for the most, for the most part, we have some parts that are closed. Um, what some people don't know from the outside is aside from like being a venue and a restaurant, we also like, we house artists, we have youth programs, uh, we have an industries program. So we have other moving parts that are doing some things to an extent now. Um, that being said, I mean, if we're going to plug it, ASU 20 could certainly use your help and donations,
1: (laughs) you know, uh, keep me employed. (laughs)
0: So, but, but I mean, we're we're looking fairly bright, you know. Myself, I'm the um, the manager of the restaurant, and uh, okay. I, I kind of look to like what some of these small businesses are doing, and just to think like we have like a whole financial back and like a family that wants to like keep us alive. You know, we have a community. Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite restaurants locally just like put up something yesterday that like they're done. You know, and it's okay. it's just sad to see. So relatively we're okay you know okay um but it's weird it's definitely weird yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no i to speak back to like the sound and stuff too Um uh, i remember going to europe and i played in like this like this like church in Gortlets. it was like built into like stone underneath like this other crazy church i guess um and like you know the sound guy there is like trying to hit us with the fog machines and wants to control all the levels like crazy. And I just remember like we bought him like a beer or something just to like keep them off. You know what I mean? Like, right right <laughs> it's yeah. definitely a thing. Um, even like, you know, do you guys like blow the power out? You know what I mean? Like I've, um, I've done a yeah, couple of bands so- that just the <laughs> light show gets intru- you.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with the band A Film in Color. They're also from mm-hmm. Jersey. Yep. Uh, good friend, good friends of ours. Um, I've experienced, even though they're only a three-piece, mm-hmm. I've experienced them blowing the power <laughs> way more than we have blown the power. Cool. I guess they run the same amount of heads as we do, uh, but they're like turned all the way up. <laughs> yeah. Like we we we're loud, but we try to we have to compete with one another. So we, it's only, you know, to a certain point. I remember in Montreal, uh, we were playing this fest. It was like the inaugural fest, uh, <laughs> that this group broke, broken cord was doing. And we blew the power when we played, I think three times. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> and. And it was, it was, we had a friend that was doing, um, projections with us and it got to a point where I was like, okay, dude, you just got to like <laughs> unplug and pack it up and we'll just continue. So, uh, it was okay once he left the stage. Um, but it, that, the, the organizer that runs broken cord, he like is, inf- it's infamous to him cause he'll always bring it up at this point. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I did a string yeah. of shows with like this band called the Blue Letter. I think it was back in okay. like, 2010, maybe ish, 2012 ish. Yeah, yeah. And um, there was some super rocking dudes, but they were also like just a wall of sound and just a million right. lights and foot pedals. Was
1: was mm. that when the one guitars had the gigantic like coffin of? Yeah guitar pedals it was just yeah
0: it was massive yeah yeah yeah. and i just remember like we we played like a couple like bigger venues or you know medium venues with them and it was okay but we did like a pool house with them like in the middle of massachusetts and they like blew the power to like this entire farm you know and like the farmers like running across the field to go get everything (laughs) back up and running it was just it was super cool and just to see like like, man, t- even just to lug all that gear for a small show like that, that's like... Right, yeah. That's all the power I, to you.
1: So Sometimes you're like, what the fuck are we doing this for? <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of times it, it is uh, worth it. Um, but we're definitely, I, I think, just in that way, we're just like, okay, we got to make sure that um, whatever we're doing, like, if there's only one person here... It's, we'll just, we'll just not even, not even bring everything in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Greg, the guitarist of Au Revoir, he, when I met him, he was, he's still playing in this band, Shiloh. He had that, he bought that um, foot pedal case from the guy from the Letter. Cool. So it, like, he is a tiny person and he could <laughs> literally fit inside of that case. Wow. Uh, and he played in my basement uh, my mom's old old house and it took up like half the room of the basement yes. because it was so huge. That thing was crazy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Shiloh is very familiar to your sound as well. Uh, so was that kind of like prior Au Revoir and then he led into Au Revoir or were they going out at the yeah. same time?
1: Yeah. So um, just, I guess a backstory on that. Um, in 2012, when we did Au Revoir did our first tour um, I met the guys from Shiloh when we played in Richmond. And then Tyler Mandich, who plays uh, third guitar in Au Revoir, he was living in Wilmington and he booked our Wilmington show. So it was just like um, the way, you know, you meet all these people mm-hmm. uh, through touring and stuff and how they kind of end up in your life. Um, uh, those guys, they... We're always like, if you need anybody to fill in, just let us know, and we kept we kept in touch over the years because of the amount of times that we passed through Richmond or uh, North Carolina or whatever it was. And eventually, I was like, "Hey, you guys want to play this tour? Uh, you want to play this tour?" Uh, and then it turned into, "Do you just want to stay in the band?" And that's where we so since two thousand like late two thousand fourteen it's been that they've been playing in the band permanently. Cool. Yeah, yeah. and Shil- Shiloh has been a thing since, I think, 2010 or 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And some of the other bands, I mean, you, you guys, between you, have like quite a few other projects going on. Uh, Burial Dance sticks out to me. I heard a couple right. songs off Bandcamp. What's going on with mm-hmm.
1: that? So Burial Dance is the other band that I'm in. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, sitting, sitting more on the Screamo side, you're... Sub genre of punk and hardcore or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, so we put out those two songs on Bandcamp, and it was kind of like a interim sort of thing because we had uh, like a little weekend tour that we were doing, and we wanted to have some music out there, uh, so we recorded those two songs really quick, and they weren't part of a release, so we were just like, let's get them out, uh, and the future is that. We're waiting uh, to release an EP that we recorded last year. Last year, um, And I can't say right now who it's coming out through. Um, but I think that we are going to announce all that and then do some, like, premiere the album or whatever, like, uh, next month, maybe. It's interesting, though, the way that worked out, because those, the songs that are on that EP are like the first songs that we wrote. And then the two songs that are out on Bandcamp now are written after the stuff that's going to come out uh, later this year. Cool. So everything is slow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, we're definitely looking forward to hearing it. And you know, when that time comes around, don't be afraid to reach out. We'd love to talk some more about that. Um, Hell yeah. Definitely reminds me of, were you involved in what of us? That was a past project.
1: Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Me, Tom Schlatter, Eric Morrow, and Ross Hamilton. Um, me playing guitar and Tom playing bass. And this band, Burial Dance, is uh, same three guys, but replace uh, Tom with our friend Alex Lee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex is playing guitar and I'm playing bass. Um, so you'll find some similarities because uh, some of the members are the same.
0: Cool. Cool. Okay, that makes yeah. a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Then, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. had some awesome splits with that too. The one that yeah. sticks out to me is like Coma Regalia. You know, of uh, course. Why did of that course. project cease to exist?
1: What ended up happening was uh, Tom moved to Albany. We weren't as busy as we, uh, I guess, could have been. Uh, so, and Tom has all this musical energy. So he started another band, hundreds of AU and hundreds of AU with the lineup that they uh, like got was a bit more flexible with their time. Uh, So they had weekends free, they had summers free. So it was a lot easier for them to get out and play than it was for one of us to get out and play just the distance. And when we were playing and this and that, it kind of just fell to the wayside, Mm. Um, not on anyone's like, Part it was no one's really no one's fault necessarily. Uh, it just kind of uh, fell to the wayside, and then uh, burial dance. We started playing with each other just so we could have something more local, um, and it kind of just went like our separate ways. Like Tom started focusing more on hundreds of AU, and then we started focusing more on burial dance, um, and one of us kind of got the shit at <laughs> to end of that deal. Um, but it was a ton of fun uh, and it definitely pushed my boundaries and limits as a guitar player. Mm. Cause I went in there and I was just like, uh, this is going to take some work for me. <laughs> I, like, uh, I've i never played like, th- I never played guitar this fast. Mm. So um, they, they definitely like uh, we're pretty patient with my guitar playing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, time can be such a factor too. Uh, I was lucky enough to play with soul glow last year and they okay, were, yeah. uh, they were in Europe at the time and I was, I was talking to them and I think they said they were out for like a month or a month and a half straight. And I can't even imagine like being able to take like that much time off. I did 10 days and like after the 10 days we're were like rip each other's heads off, <laughs> you know? Right. What was like your biggest string? Do you think of like a tour?
1: It was for Vellus. We did, I think 40, between forty and forty two days, wow. I'm not exact. I'm not entirely sure what it was, mm-hmm. um, but I know it was like thirty five, thirty seven shows within the forty days or yeah. forty two days, uh, and that was only because we couldn't get those shows booked. If we had it our way, it would have been forty for forty or forty two for forty two, mm-hmm. um, and then. Uh, a couple of years before that, the longest we did was I think 35 days, wow. uh, just a, a full U S and that was as a three piece. Um, so, and when we did the Vela's full yet full U S as a five piece, it was like, we can't sleep in the van <laughs> because <laughs> there's so many people, um, where as a, as a three piece like you could spread out, sleep in the trunk or whatever mm-hmm. the van, um, we did have to sleep in the van, but it was, uh more of our priority to find somewhere to stay if we if we mm-hmm. could i remember getting to like the last week of that tour and being like this feels so normal i can keep going <laughs> yeah um but i know some of the guys were just like i'm ready to go home i'm good
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's
1: like i i've had enough i was like have you
0: <laughs> uh, it definitely becomes a way i think even like when i came back from germany uh we like, pretty much hit the road to do New Friends Fest. I think we played the same year together, 2019. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, we pretty much like hit the road right away for that. And we, Lord Snow was playing that show. And I think they were like still on tour from when we were with them in Europe. And it just like, just, like, you could see like the attitude change where like they were still <laughs> so happy to be there. But it's also just like, like they look like they've seen a war, <laughs> you know?
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember coming off a tour, uh, or just not being on a tour and having friends come through like my town that had only seen me on tour Mm -hmm. and them being like, oh, so this is what you look like when you're not on tour, (laughs) just like not tired and not greasy and all all of those things. So yeah, you, you definitely get that like incredible weathered. I'm having fun, but I also hate myself sort of (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's harder harder to get like
0: housed in the U.S. too. Oh, absolutely. Oh my God. Yeah. You go to Europe and it's like, there's a meal at every show, you know, like over here, it's just kind of like, what basement are you sleeping in or where can I park?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I describe um, European touring to people as like, Uh, professional DIY yeah (laughs) like like (laughs) every every venue has uh, a sound system and lights and a place for you to stay and they all have food for you on the spot and all that stuff and then you come to the states and you're just like here's maybe a a speaker for the one microphone we have for (laughs) you yeah yeah
0: Ninety percent less ta- curry. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Uh, that's cool. Um, you also you play Dunk Fest. That's a pretty big festival. What was that like?
1: Definitely one of our best experiences as a band, um, and just more not only because of the professionalism of the festival, um, from the sound to the stage to uh, the scheduling and how they take care of not only the artists, but the attendees, um, just, but the vibe was just insane. And like, you know, we, we like to make fun of everybody. We're not, (laughs) we're not, we're not always the nicest people. Um, but like going there and just like, everyone is so nice and, Everyone's just like stoked to be there and they're happy to listen to instrumental music for 36 straight hours or what is 70, 72 straight hours. Yeah. It was definitely incredible. Um, and we, it's definitely like a goal for us, uh, with, uh, the next release to get back out to dunk fest and to try and play some other fests in Europe, uh, and maybe as well as Canada. Uh, Just because like, you know, the, the way that they do things out there is is so different. And it it feels like what you always imagined being in a real band would feel like, (laughs) Yeah, you know. (laughs) I remember
0: like the after party at new friends, Uh, just like the whole mood that day was awesome. But then like, they're like, we're going to have an emo after party at this bar next door. And I'm like. Like me being who I am, in my head, I'm going like, we're gonna sit there and listen to like fucking brand new and all these bands over and over again. I'm like, I don't know, let's go for one beer. And I feel like, yeah. you know, like two beers in, I'm like screaming my chemical romance in the back of the right. room, you know? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, we we were there. It was so tight and so sweaty. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. Uh we we tried to put in um some metal- like fuel by Metallica <laughs> yeah uh but I think it- <laughs> everyone was too drunk to remember that we asked to do that song <laughs> <laughs> yeah that 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 weekend though uh we didn't really know what to expect, mm-hmm. uh especially being you know not the same band as everybody else, but it was just like so inviting, and the vibe was so incredible, and everyone was like just. Super welcoming and nice and, and literally like just talking to everybody. The dude who was playing drums for us, he was like, I just talked to the guy from Kid Crash.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and he was, he was like fanboying so hard, but he was just so stoked that he got to talk to the dude from Kid Crash.
0: Yeah. I remember like, oh, I think it was one of the guys from City of Caterpillar was like hanging out outside. And, like, someone was like, the guy from City of Caterpillar needs a joint and just went, like, running looking for a joint from him. <laughs> I would, and if yeah. it wasn't them, I'm sorry. I'm throwing shade on the name. But, no, it
1: just yeah, cracked me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah. Yeah. That's, and that's how, it, that's how it went the whole weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, who are some of your favorite musicians to listen to?
1: I always go back to uh, this band Murder by Death. Um, I, are you familiar with them at all? I'm not really familiar with them no. now. No, okay, so they're they I've been listening to them since like I guess t- like 2004 or something like that. Um, they're just this like weird mix of like western and mm. like country and indie rock it's like but it's like dark and it has like more of a Johnny Cash like rock vibe to it okay um, so like a J.J.L.? uh yeah yeah um maybe more thematic Mm -hmm. and like anthemic so they've been a band i've been listening to for years and just a band whose albums are always so consistently strong and every like everything they put out is is great Mm -hmm. um so i've never had a moment with them where i've been like you know i'm just gonna i'm done okay I, i i don't I'm not interested anymore. So for that with them, it's always been very consistent. Um Against Me is a band that I uh have adored for probably about the same amount of time. Um Me Without You. Um you know, I was I was really into Sigur Ross for a long time. Um and then not that they've put anything out recently. Um, but kind of fell off that train, but they definitely, uh, were inspired, like an inspiration for me to kind of like the world of the music that I had started writing in. Um, Bruce Springsteen. Cool. Uh, <laughs> uh huge, huge favorite, not just cause I'm from Jersey, but it definitely plays a part. We hear it um, all throughout your music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so something uh, a little funny there. Uh, in in the key of night, uh-huh. uh, I we ripped some of his his lyrics. So <laughs> the last the last song on in the key of night, he's got lyrics from his song Atlantic City. Uh, it's like everything dies. Uh, that's a fact. Everything everything dies. someday comes back. Uh, and we did basically the same lyrics, but changed uh, a word or two. <laughs> uh, and I was like, this is my this is my my nod to Bruce. And uh, I'm going <laughs> 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 to, I hope that I am making everyone proud from New Jersey right now. Nice. Um, <laughs> that era, um, Neil Young is a big favorite of mine. More recent, well, not more recently, but this, he's kind of like a singer songwriter guy, uh, Jose Gonzalez, his solo albums are acoustic. Uh, and generally I don't really like acoustic music, um, but he does more like droney type stuff on his guitar so it's a lot of like the same chord but the dynamic changes his music was always really interesting to me because it wasn't that generic like poppy sounding acoustic stuff later years it's like young widows um yeah tyler bean from burlington he got me into songs ohia um where one of my favorite albums probably of all time at this point is Electric Magnetico uh and company, whatever. Um and that but that falls under Song Zohia. Um so I just listened to that one and then more recently I dug deeper into the catalog and mm. was like, holy fuck, this is as sad as I need it to be right now. Uh Amon Ra is a big one for me. Mm-hmm. I've seen them a couple of times and it's just like perfection every time.
0: Yeah. Young widows. Yeah, They're super cool. Uh, i actually yeah. I missed my chance to see them. Uh, they were supposed to play, uh, the celebration of life and art for Caleb Schofield who passed away. Right. Um, what well, that's cave in old man gloom, uh, Converge mm-hmm. was at that show as well. And the cancer conspiracy. Wait,
1: was that the one in LA or the one on the East coast? Uh, East coast, Boston. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: But, uh, I think, uh, Something happened with Young Widows. I think they had a family member of their own pass away or something. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, didn't get to see them. But also, like, you know, it is what it is. I did get to see Jay Jail, and That was kind of like okay. how I discovered them. Um, they opened up for Daughters uh, in Boston. Um, my buddy was doing merch for Daughters for the show. So I just kind of went in. And I don't know yeah. if you're familiar with them. Uh, yeah, I know you said Murder by Death and I, that Johnny Cash type voice. But they're just yeah. like... Man, the, the way they like can command a room with just like so much open space, you know, yeah. and just like that ambiance, it's mesmerizing, you know.
1: So i, I haven't um, gotten too deep into Jjl, mm. but I saw Jjl as the backing band for Emma Ruth Rundle.
0: That's his uh, wife.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. it was it was fucking incredible. They they were so good. She's so good live too.
0: I saw her at AS220 and it was like just her and her guitar. I don't know if she played with more of a band when you saw her, but like, yeah, man,
1: she had, she had the full band when, when I saw her that time, more recently I saw her with, um, cult of Luna. Yeah. And she was playing solo then. I'm just a weird guy, I guess, but I liked the full band more Mm -hmm. than I liked her solo. It was like, it was still commanding and, Mm -hmm uh and really cool um but it it was there was just something about like the beating drums and and like you know all the backing guitars and stuff like that
0: yeah that's the beauty of jjl too is he just has that that beat going the whole time Mm -hmm. it just controls it Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's a really cool cool sector uh to kind of like see what what has come out of their little group you know
1: right right yeah it's crazy because um Sergeant House bands always kind of like, I feel like they, they stick together. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot comes out of all those bands. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and it's pretty incredible that they are like, they have so much output and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, so why do you make art for me? It's the easiest, best, but also hardest way for me to express myself. It's uh, something that I I have been intrigued by and loved since I was just like a young kid. Uh, music has always been a big part of my life. Uh, I like I just remember. I don't know if you would know, but um, there were like those infomercials for like oldies songs and soundtracks or like oh, compilation. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, and my I don't know if my parents bought that specific one, but I just remember being like six or seven years old and having all these like solid goldies (laughs) albums Uh, and I would just like play them and like, just like constantly. And you know, that, that music always stuck with me. And, and since I was young, music has just been something that I wanted to pursue. And even if, if I wasn't good at it, I didn't really give a shit. I wanted to try. I would I would still say that I I'm still not like a a great musician <laughs> but I'm persistent. Uh, <laughs> so uh something something's got to work at that point when you're trying <laughs> so hard. Yeah. it's always been something that I needed to do something that I wanted to do uh and having the ability uh and privilege to make music uh is one of the main things that like just contributes to my uh happiness and livelihood mm. uh i i know that's f- fucking cliche but like i don't know man it's it's just how i feel <laughs> you know we, we try
0: to ask that question every show and even saying it yeah. it feels cliche to ask
1: yeah um, of course of course but it's
0: like there's always something that comes out and i discover a little bit more about someone and just like where they came from like that little golden oldies thing you know what i yeah, mean it's yeah. like
1: <laughs> it always
0: just draws out just like some essence of like where it came from Uh, you know yeah. it's, it's so cool to see that we all come from these different places and I think what you said right. too about the privilege to make you know that's it's yeah. huge you know we don't all yeah. have that and and right. the fact that we can celebrate it good for us rock on you know yeah
1: yeah, uh, yeah.
0: Uh, that being said you did a split with Tyler Daniel Bean. I know you kind of you talked about him briefly for for a minute that was at a uh, dead air Um I yeah. talked about dead air in a past episode I recorded there I think will is like the best Um, Yeah, super cool guy Um, what was the experience like for you that was like a live recording right
1: yeah it was was, um, mostly live Mm -hmm. Uh, we just went back because the lyrics for the song that we did weren't um, we had never done them over the music at that point so when we were playing that song live up until we recorded it we weren't doing it with the vocals Um, so that was the only thing we kind of overdubbed I'm going to be extremely frank, uh, with you about, about this. Um, because for me it wasn't what I thought it would be. Okay. (laughs) You know, it wasn't until like, uh, maybe a year or two ago that I knew that like Steve Albini had this like super hands-off approach. Mm -hmm. Um, and and just like that sort of thing. So when we went in there, Will's got that attitude where it's just like, yeah, do your thing. Yeah. And and. and my like, one of my first things that I said to him was like, oh, this is really cool. I've never been in like a real studio before because everything we recorded up to that point was home recorded sure. or like we did, we did drums in a friend's studio, but we never recorded full bands, everything at a studio. Mm. It was all at home. So I was like looking to Will for like some, some guidance or some opinions and this and that. And it's not what I got. And I left there. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's, it's pretty much the closest you get to a diy studio too
1: right you know? yeah no I, I totally get it now um but i I remember being in the moment just being like I need to know if my guitar sounds good and he won't tell me it, yeah he's
0: got that very light voice it's just kind of like a yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah 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 no that's exactly it so when i I heard you on the previous podcast talk about um dead air and yeah. I and talking about that exactly in that experience. And I was like, yeah, I I guess that's the way he is. (laughs) definitely. Um, yeah. So, um, when we recorded, uh, like Vellus, uh, it was with our friend Scott and he was, he was a lot more hands-on. He was helping us get the tones and he was like, no, you can make that sound better and this and that. And I think me, um, being the person I am where I, I, not that I need, Like the validation, but more just like that assertion, like Mm. let's make this better or Mm. this and that. I enjoyed recording with Will, uh, (laughs) uh, but it wasn't what I thought it it was going to be. But and that's just because I thought it was going to be something completely different going in. I had like this notion that it was going to be like this really cool, Mm. like professional experience, I guess, Mm -hmm. but it was just DIY as fuck.
0: Oh, yeah. You're hanging out. And I can't imagine fitting all of those people in that room, you know, to record that's a feat in itself.
1: (laughs) It was funny. Um, I think he had enough isolation. Mm. uh, Like like his little closets. Yeah. Yeah. The closets or the bass was in the room with the drums. Okay. I don't, I don't entirely remember. Mm. Recording that day with him, we played in Buffalo. Mm uh, the night before. <laughs> so we had to drive overnight to get there by 10 AM. And I remember maybe sleeping, uh, like we pulled over and I slept for like a half hour on the, on like the highway in a rest stop. And it was like, okay, we got <laughs> to start driving again. Um, so when we got there, uh, we were pretty super beat. And then by the end of it, when they started mixing and stuff or like going over some of that, that I remember just like clonking out on the couch yeah. and waking up and we were listening to it in the van. Uh, and I was like, yeah, sure. It sounds fine. I'm too tired to make a decision right now.
0: Tyler Bean's a seven piece, right? Yeah. So I, yeah. now I'm thinking so, like, I was talking about you guys being a five piece in that room.
1: Right. Yeah. Whoa. So he had, <laughs> he had. Yeah. He had like the keyboard in all in the live room. I think the violin was in the live room. Um, so I can't, imma- <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine like the headache that will had recording them. Talk about DIY, like uh, DIY recording a violin or yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, Steve, do you have any questions? So seeing as you guys uh, reside in New Jersey and Virginia, how is yeah. songwriting go? What's your, how is your collaborative Uh, process? How it generally works is someone will basically write like the skeleton of a song. Carl, the bassist wrote the song, the bottom. Um, And then I wrote sinking and deluge. Um, And then we had drifting from when Dane Viglione was in the band Dane wrote the skeleton of Drifting, and then we kept that one for the album. It doesn't happen to work out when we send each other files, like, "Hey, I wrote like uh, a basis, like a base for this whole song. Do uh, you guys want to write over it?" That just in the past and still to this day doesn't really um, get everyone going. So we have to be in a room together. We have to schedule time. To be in a room so that we are just like forcing ourselves to work on something. We kind of just hope that we have something to work on when we are in the room together. Um, It has been in the past that people will come in with like a skeleton of a full song. For the songs that we have right now, I think if we have like 10 or so, Mm. like maybe five of them happened in the room where we were jamming and us like a part of an idea split off into this thing and that and, um, or we pulled pieces like we jammed on this, this whole thing. And then we pulled another part from something that we had prior and fitted into that song. Mm. It's been this writing process rather than one person having kind of complete control on the, basis of the song Mm. uh and then having people contribute what they would normally uh we've been in the room kind of jamming things and it's just been a different process uh but still we need to be in the room together for anything to happen
0: Mm. yeah Uh, that's nice that that's probably kind of shines to like how you get so many different sounds or feelings in the album too is like everyone gets to bring that idea to the table
1: Right, yeah. At one point when we were starting to write stuff, newer stuff after Valles, we were like what is this this stuff that we're coming up with and we weren't like completely stoked on it. Mm. And we were like maybe it's because we're jamming and we're not we don't have like like one person directing where the song is going. Um but I feel like we've kind of gotten over that mm. and are are feeling that like, you know, this song can be its own thing or Uh, it doesn't all have to sound like it was written in one weekend or something like that.
0: Yeah. I I made lots of dad rock that way. I like, you know, show up and just dad rock it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) What's your favorite guitar and pedal that you own?
1: So I really love my, uh, overdrive pedal. It's from the company. Rockworks, (laughs) Rockworks, R-A-W-K. <laughs> it's called the Night Overdrive. Um, so it just got, like, a darker tone to it. And for me, like, it took me a really long time to find the type of overdrive that I was... Uh, that I, like, really liked. Mm-hmm. And this was the first one that, like, uh, didn't fuck with, like... like, didn't get too fucked by um, Reverb. Um, and And it still kept its, like um it's like nice overdrive tone i have the um what is it the strymon brigadier bucket delay mm. um that one has a lot of like modulation on it so it can kind of like it doesn't necessarily have that like tape warble like the el capa capistan or capitan el capistan mm. um from strymon it's got more of like a a modulated kind of oscillation type vibe to it mm. yeah and then you know your your basic distortion and fuzz cool. i've been in the market for a better fuzz pedal oh yeah no
0: yeah the, the uh the overdrive and all that too I, I always see everyone just like using like those ocd pedals so it's cool to see yeah. like you're using something a little out there even myself i use like the Electroharmonics glove and I think it's supposed to be like okay. an homage to like the Power Glove, you know, like Nintendo. Oh, okay, okay. But it's like okay, half okay. the price and it's just like a super cool sound you get out of it, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Also, Full Tone is canceled, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sell your OCD pedals. <laughs> exactly.
0: Paint them, sell them, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then <laughs> I just got a Fender Thinline Telecaster, but it's the Jim Atkins uh, signature. So it's like it's all black, um, including the neck, and it's got P ninety pickups in it. Uh, I got it during quarantine though, so I haven't been able to play it, it like with a band. But that's that's been a guitar that I've been wanting for like years and years, and never, either never pulled the trigger or was never able to find it. Um, so when my friend sent me a link to it, I was like, uh, I I gotta like pull some strings. Mm-hmm. So
0: I know you're in multiple projects pre COVID. How tough was it to balance all your musical projects in your personal life?
1: That I I think takes uh, a ton of work. If you have a partner, it takes a super supportive partner. Um, so luckily um, my fiance uh, is super supportive and understands how much music means to me and Uh, Music to her is also uh, a big deal. It's like an important part of her life. There's a lot of conversations involved and how you kind of navigate um, being able to support yourself, being able to support each other uh, financially, emotionally, uh, all that stuff. We're lucky that we are able to do that work together. I think as our relationship has progressed, and as I've gotten older, um, touring itself has taken not necessarily a backseat or has had less importance, but is just um, something that the, me and the guys kind of all kind of came together at the same time without vocally saying it to one another that like we're not just going out to go on tour. You know, like we want to we have a reason to go on tour. And when we do go on tour, um, we want those shows to be good. So since Vela's came out, which was 2016, we haven't gone back to the West Coast because to go back to the West Coast would mean you're either taking off weeks of work to drive across the country and just be in a van or you're booking those shows and this and that, or you're flying out there, you know, and... I wouldn't say that our shows on the West Coast were amazing the last time we were out there as everyone has gotten older um, and they've gotten more serious with their partners. Um, it's, it's Even though I'm the oldest one in the band, uh, it has been that like everyone's on the same track. So it's, it's been easy in that way that um, everyone was kind of in the same boat. I would say that I'm probably the person that pushes the band to do dumb shit more than anybody else in the band. <laughs> yeah. They were a bit apprehensive when, we, when I was like, let's, let's DIY book a European tour. But, you know, uh, it turned out to be one of the best things we did, and then we were able to go back, and it was even better that time. I, I feel like you'll get the same story with anybody that's been in a DIY band and is growing up while they're in a DIY band, you know you you have that same like I'm gonna push this as hard as I can for as long as I can and then life hits you right in the fucking head uh, and and you have to make those decisions that are the best for your future and for anyone that is involved with you, like their future as well. Until the current, my current job, I've never had a job that gave me health benefits. Uh, when I was like 19 and 20, I was on my parents' insurance, and then I had to come off their insurance. That's something that weighs on how I will continue to uh, pursue music. Like uh, the way our shitty country is run <laughs> and th- the fact that we – need to be, uh, like our insurance has to be tied to our job for us to be able to afford it, um, weighs on the way that I am able to pursue, uh, art. Like my, the, I work at Trader Joe's, so they have this policy where you can't miss more than 21 days consecutively, or like you fa you have to take a leave of absence or you get terminated, um... So that plays, uh, plays into how I want to pursue music, like with Burial Dance, because we are probably more able to tour because it's less people or we're more on the same page at the moment. We had a tour that we had to cancel because of COVID in May. Uh, I was like, I can only do these, um, this amount of days because I don't want to risk my job. Uh, and I have to keep my job because I want to have some sort of stability uh to provide for myself, provide for my partner, uh to be able to afford to go on tour the next time and this and that. So it is I would say for anyone that is supporting themselves uh and not supporting themselves through music. Um it is one of the toughest things to balance your arts uh to balance your personal life and to balance your work life. There's a sacrifice that has to be made somewhere. When I was booking the European tour, I would start to talk to different people from Europe and would hear about all of these crazy things that their government allows them to do. Like this one guy makes guitar pedals and because that technically falls under the category of art, um, he is able to get a government subsidy for like a stipend and he is able to live off of the government because he is pursuing this art- artistic uh, like venture, you know, yeah. and th- we don't have that here. There's no way that you can do something like that here.
0: Uh, Canada, right? That's that's a huge part of what they do. They have like all this money right. for musicians. You know, yeah. I, I remember like I used to be a Sum Forty One fan when I was a kid. You know, yeah. and I just being like, "Damn, they're so cool." Their government pays them to do this. You know,
1: right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's insane. They get grants and stuff, mm-hmm. and there are a few bands that I am like personal friends with that have um, gotten the grants, and then there are some bands that don't get the grants. I think it's some sort of politics involved or something like that. But to have that option is incredible.
0: Well, you've heard it here, folks. We set up a GoFundMe. We pay for all of the health insurance for Au Revoir. They'll never work again. We'll have them touring oh, yeah. forever. <laughs> now, Eric, I want to I thank you so much. Thank you for being here. We had a great time talking to you. Uh, again, yeah, this is uh, Eric of Au Revoir. Where can we find more about your music?
1: Au Revoir is on Spotify and Bandcamp. Uh, we have all that social media bullshit, the Facebook and Instagram. Um, not to be confused when you're looking stuff up with the uh, front bottom song Au Revoir, Adios, uh, which happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> or Au Revoir, Simone. Actually... Sorry, I have to tell this story because it's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, someone emailed us a couple of years ago when we were looking to book in Europe. This guy was like, I love your band. Uh, I would love to help you book. Um, what, what, like, what do you need help with? Uh, so I emailed him back. I was like, oh, this is crazy. Uh, I, this is what we need help with. Thank you for reaching out. <laughs> and then he emailed me back like a week later. It's like, Oh, I thought you were Orvois Simone. Sorry. I got the oh, names no. mixed up. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, okay. That's sick, That's sick dude. I, I had a similar problem.
0: I was in a band called tall ship set sail, which is entirely yeah. too long for a title. But also, <laughs> um, there was a big band. I think in like Britain, like it was like a British band or something that was called tall ships so okay yeah people would hit us up all the yeah. time they're like oh you're in tall ships no hell yeah <laughs> yeah <I> should have <laughs> just wrote it yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that's great <laughs>
0: oh. oh that's that's awesome uh eric thank yeah. you again this has been musicians and makers podcast uh you can find us on all of the same bullshit uh social medias
1: <laughs> uh as well as musiciansandmakers.com.
0: thank you all for listening
1: hell yeah dude thanks for having me